Enjoy it when you're not in it. <laughs> Amazing how much, how much, how, how much of a joy it is to put together when you're not in it. <clears throat> it was, a, it was a bit brief though, without me there. <laughs> yeah, you without your briefs. <laughs> <laughs> like you getting, getting uh, unnatural in your backyard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, coming along nicely. <laughs> <sighs> shall we? Yeah, please. <laughs> All right, joining us on audio. He just scraped in, but he's here. Mr. Darth Skeptical is joining us. Hello, Darth. Hello, good sir. How are you? No, not too bad at all. Glad you could make it. Very good, sir. All right, also joining us, Mr. Randall Thor. Hello, Mike. Hello, Ian. Hello. Succinct? Yes. Well, you see, it's it's the brevity of, of of our commentary last week that was the, you know, the good bit. <laughs> yes, it's funny actually. Just a little sidebar here. I was looking through some tweets on uh, yeah, some of my old tweets, and there was one of, of me complaining about the amount of time I talked, and how I apologized to you, Dave, for talking too much. Ah, oh, the good how things how things change. The good old days, yeah. The good old days. <sighs> yeah. <clears throat> Maybe it was because of the medication, I don't know. Maybe I'll talk more now. Uh, you Maybe don't I'll need talk to talk more. now. Maybe you I'll got two... talk a lot more now. Yeah, I think I will. You've <laughs> you got two kids and dogs. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, without any further ado, Rick Wall is here. Hello, Rick. Hello, hello. Glad you could make it. Glad I could be here. All right. And joining us, last but not least, Mr. Cuddly Ken is here. Hello, Ken. Hello there. So happy to be here and serve my monk overlords. I mean, Ian and Dave. (laughs) Bunk overlords, I think it is. Yes. (laughs) You must do it out of love. Yes, indeed. Always in love. Or you will know. <laughs> dust to dust. Oh! <laughs> Alrighty, and uh, yes, um, before I read this out, I need to lower the cone of silence. Uh, just one moment, please. Pause. The cone of silence. Control, new agent training program, section 3.5, the cone of silence. To activate, simply lower the cone. 
What? Do not overuse the cone of silence. What? Do not shout in the cone of silence. What? In fact, don't even use the cone of silence. What? It's never worked right. I don't know why we bought it in the first place. The portable cone of silence. What? 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 All right. Yes, under the cone today. Barman 54, he's a mystery, that guy. Uh, <laughs> gets everywhere. Um, and Jeff, the seventh doctor, has joined us in the text chat and says, I'm going to plug my brain into the talk to computer and my love will take over this show. Now, remember, guys, you're on your own recognizance today. There's no <laughs> cybob to keep you in order. Yes, yes, we're cyboblous. I'm hoping everything's okay with cybob and his, and his family. Um, so, yeah, wherever you are, sir. No, you're in the right place. <clears throat> All right, uh, that, that's that's everybody, but but uh, everybody but one. Um, and let me have him take his headphones off. Uh, it's news time, folks. Go, talking monkey, go. He just left. Thanks, Ken. Mm. Come back, talking monkey. Come back. <laughs> Yes, it's news time, folks. First up with news, it's Dave. Oh, well, I don't know why I've been picked to do this story. It's something that happened in the not-too-distant uh, past. It happened only as recently as 1976. Well, happened to me more recently than that. There's, um, from the Doctor Who News.net site, a, an original ice warrior head is found and preserved. Now, some people might think this is a little bit of a letdown. Uh, other people may think it's an absolutely fantastic uh, little find because um, people were being um, sort of quelled from excitement uh, when it was announced uh, that there was going to be an announcement. Always a good thing to do, announce you're going to announce. Uh, people think, is this going to be a missing story? Marco Polo, whatever. And they were assured, no, it's something to do with the classic series, uh, but not on that level. Anyway, uh, there will be a lot of people whooping anyway. So this is um, one of the original Ice Warrior masks, first used in 1967, second Dot 2 story, found and restored by Toy Box Treasures. Uh, the prop thoughts have been used in Dot 2, both in the Troughton and here at Pertwee eras. It was acquired last year. And the decision was taken to preserve the prop using a special team uh, led by uh, Mike Tucker. Not exactly on the same sort of stature as um, refurbishing, uh, you know, uh, the original Star Trek Enterprise 12-foot-long model, uh, which are not the same as we interviewed, Ian. Uh, no. The chap uh, bringing back the uh, Star Trek Next Generation bridge. Um, but nonetheless, people who enjoy these sort of things, uh, the information is there on Doctor Who News net and um it's uh, we're, uh i'm trying to be slightly discreet here uh, um it's good timing shall we say that this particular uh item was found and i'll mm. say no more than that all right Let's i don't want the hands wrapped <laughs> it's not getting a cool reception you should have whispered that. Hey, stop getting a cool reception. Does that have to do with something with next week's episode? That does it. I quit. Good night. Alrighty. 
Of all the estrogen to get me whip. <laughs> right, who's next? Oh, Mr. Randall Thor is next. Okay, so this next news has to do with the the, uh, the Doctor Who spinoff uh, uh, class, which is I I've never seen an episode of it, but uh, it's it seems to have. Be not, not not doing so well. The show was the show's original writer and creator Patrick Ness has just recently announced that he will not be writing any more episodes of the show. And as far as I know, BBC have not confirmed one way or another whether or not that show is getting a second series. The first sh- series ran on BBC was it late last year and sometime last year and is dr- right now currently airing following uh, Doctor Who on Saturday nights on BBC America. And I think that it shared the same fate schedule-wise in the UK that it did here in the US, where it's what they call post-watershed, where it's later at night, where, where more more where more grown-up themes or shows or whatever are aired, post-kids or whatever. Uh, it, where this, it, it, it's an, where class is kind of the show where it involves a classical hill of students, teenagers, whatever, young adults. Uh, but the, the writer of the show has, has stepped down and saying that he's not going to write anymore. He, some of his comments include, uh, or Ness was saying, I decided to, a while back that with, with unbelievable regret, I won't be writing any more class, even if a season two moves ahead. It has been the most amazing experience. I loved it. I'm so proud of the show and what we, what we made. Uh, he goes on to say that talk about ideas that he had that he had for a second season if he were to continue. We're talking about a weeping angel civil war and different characters having a certain character having a son, and but yeah, the, the, I guess the weeping angels were one of the tiebacks to Doctor Who. Again, not having seen it, I don't know, but uh, the ill-fated Doctor Who spinoff class. And it's it, from what I've read about the show, the show didn't have a lot of publicity. It, it, it never. It was a Doctor Who spinoff that never even made it to the cover of Doctor Who magazine over in the UK. Uh, from what I've read, there was even a convention where the, the cast had a, had a panel, but no one showed up because no one knew they were there. No one knew who they were, even. Well, it was used as a pawn, I think, because it, this, remember, to put it in context, this was when the BBC were taking uh, BBC Three. Um, to try and save, they were they were in a hole for three hundred million dollars. <clears throat> the BBC and were uh, unable to increase their license fee at the time, so they went to um, make uh, BBC Three a channel that was going to be uh, on the internet only. And um, because the 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 age group that that is mainly marketed for is fourteen to thirty four year olds. Um, they were using this to sort of uh, people, you know, a ring through the nose, as it were, to, to drag people on there, which was silly, really, because that age group was already on the Internet. Um, but it did mean that it fell between two stools because those people who were going to watch it anyway caught it first time on BBC Three. And then it was shown on the, the terrestrial, I think it was BBC Two, but at a very, very late time. I mean, Jeff says it was shown at 7pm in Arizona, but on terrestrial TV, it was shown about half 11 at night. Um, so basically, the ones who wanted to see it had already seen it, and the ones who weren't keen enough to see it on BBC Three weren't going to stay up to half 11 on a Tuesday night or whatever it was to see it then. Uh, and what I would say, and I know, I think I'm right in saying that Jeff 
gave, watched the first three episodes and then gave up. Um, it's only about episode four that it actually starts to take off when one of the, the uh, female characters uh, starts to take a little bit more of a lead role um, in the story. And I must admit, um, the second half of it was worth viewing, but whether you got over that hurdle or not uh, was uh, another case, another another item. I don't know. And don't forget, it's also burdened with the worst name ever. Try Googling it. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. You're not going to find it. I mean, I don't know why. It's just beyond imagination why they called it class. It's like nobody took, you know, social media 101. Yeah, Buffy yeah. UK it should have been called. <laughs> but, but they, I mean, they were saddled, too, with where is it at? Coal Hill School. Well, that's a terrible name too. I mean, you know, it's just it's just terrible. Everything about it. And they did that, and it was actually BBC One. You're talking about that eleven thirty. Right. That that slot is, you know, so kudos to actually getting it there, I suppose. Um, but yeah, terrible. And it did strangely enough, it will go down as I think maybe the only. Uh, Doctor Who spinoff to have a theatrical release in North America because episode one of class was bundled with episode one of series 10. Right. Because, because both have Capaldi in them, you know. So. Right. Yeah, I, I lost interest after episode three. If they stream it somewhere, I may go back and watch it, but I have no interest in really kind of... You can get it on iTunes. I don't know if you can get it in other places, but you, you can you can buy it, and I'm sure it'll be... It was really cheap before Season 10 started, hmm. uh, so it, it may well be very cheap uh, in... Oh, this should be the finale week, I think. Maybe it's got one more week. No, this is season, this is week eight, so yeah. You may find that this next week it might go down in price, much like all the DC shows drop like a stone after they're finished. Or maybe BritBox will pick it up. BritBox, I'm going to get me started. Hey, I like BritBox. So it's a sham. That's what that thing is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's better than uh, uh, um, CBS All Access. Maybe is that you until didn't... next year. Mike, is that uh, all your news, by the way? That's the only item I had. Ain't paying for Star Trek, I'll tell you that much. <clears throat> <laughs> you don't right. need to watch Star Trek, just watch Doctor Who, you get the same storyline. Alrighty, let's see who has news next. Rick Wall, you have some news, sir. Yes, I do. Um, Icon, uh, Icon, I'm doing good. Uh, Long Island 2, number 5, is coming. That's right, November 11th, 12th, and 13th, I believe. Uh, I forget the dates. Anyway, <clears throat> they have um, uh, four people. Uh, they just added the fourth. Uh, Sylvester McCoy, Michael Troughton, John Leeson, and Lala Ward. And Barnaby Edwards. 
Okay, you have a newer one than I do. <laughs> I'm just going off the the, the website. <laughs> ah. Yeah, it's the the dates are the tenth, uh, the tenth of November to the twelfth. The tenth to the twelfth. Okay. Yep. Yeah. yeah and one day, um, it, it's kind of like Gallifrey. One day, I'm going to get to to this convention because uh, it's, it's, it's a it's small like, one, but it's it's fun. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like uh, yeah, having been to things like MegaCon and stuff like that. It's you know. It's totally different going to a, a smaller, more kind of intimate affair where you get to actually be up close and personable with you know with some of the guests. Um, yeah. You know, there's a whole different atmosphere. If you've only ever been to big conventions like Comic Cons and stuff like that, then really try out one. You know, something like Ally Who or Gallifrey or you know just something that's it's it's done by one of your local groups because sometimes. You know, you get to meet people, and you know, you get to meet fellow fans and socialize more than you would at one of these ones that's done at a big convention center. You know, where you just, you know, roam the whole, roam the the, the um, show floor. You know, one day, one day, Dave and I will get to the same convention too. Okay. And I'm sure there's going to be more guests added to Ally Who because this is. This is going to be small for them, I think, Kevin. Yeah. Uh, no, they usually only have like four four um, um, guests. If they have five, uh, that's the most. Maybe okay. because it's five, that's the most they've had that I know of off the top okay. of my head. Okay. Yeah, you know, they have they have um, 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 like um, you know like um, eh, um, extras and and whatnot there also sometimes. Uh, but um, you know, I'm talking big, big names or names that people would recognize from from episodes. Well, they do have uh, um, Ed Russell, uh, John Peel, uh, David J. Howe, and Andrew Beach are coming as well. Yes. And uh, some of the presenters who are going to be there: uh, Barnaby Edwards, uh, Tara Carrington, uh, Tara Tara, and Joshua Lou Friedman, and Kat Smith. Yeah. Thank you for that, uh, Rick. Did you have any other news? Um, nope. I have. Oh, yeah. and are you going to LIO? Of course. Okay, so everybody, Rick will be there. Yep. Uh, I have the website, or do you want to put it up? It doesn't matter. No, you can you can say it, and I'll paste it into the the, the text chat. No, I I got it to paste too. All I got it to send. Okay. It sent. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, it will be also be in the text chat, and Dave will tell you how to get hold of that. Yeah, and he's got yeah. some more news. Yeah, I've got some more news. Let me tell you. Uh, yeah, if you come to, um, uh, if you go to a page called chatgrabber.com, put in the call series ID five four eight two one, then look for the episode you're interested in, which is this episode would be three two five, and. Um, then you can drop down and you can see all the links that have been put into the room. Uh, yeah, two two items. One that actually links back to the class thing we're talking about. Just to remind you that um, a, a call series that uh, Ian and myself failed to sabotage called Discussing Who, uh, failed to sabotage it by being on it, which has now got 50 episodes. Um, their 51st episode has just gone out, uh, well, on the 3rd of June went out, and it was their review of class series one. So if you go to www.discussingwho.com, and I'll put the URL in for the actual link to that, uh, their episode 51 
is discussing um, series one of class. And the other piece of news is that um, a sci-fi show that I really followed in and I thought, they've left me hanging. <laughs> What's happened? Uh, it's Orphan Black. It's back. Or it will be back. Um, this is on Netflix. Uh, series 5 is coming back. It uh, starts back on June the 10th. And there's going to be 10 episodes in Season 5 of Orphan Black. And uh, pretty groundbreaking. It's a little bit, um, what would you say, in a bit torchwoody. Um, oh, well, there's some adult themes in it. Uh, you've never seen it? I've never seen it. Oh, well, you'd like it. <laughs> say no more. Hush, hush, say no more. There's, there, there, there's, there's one lad. Uh, this is just freeing everybody. He, um, he, he likes cleaning his flat. He has his own flat. But he tends to go around cleaning his flat just wearing an apron. Ooh. So you're in there. His viewing figures just went up. <laughs> but the the, the uh, Orphan Black, I think it's really good. The uh, the main actress, whose name I, I'm not even sure, uh, Tatiana Malassi, is it? I'm going to put it in the room. She plays, um, and it's not a spoiler, because that's what the whole story is about. Uh, it, she plays about six or seven versions of the same cloned individual. Uh, so it is really, really a good sci-fi. So I don't know anybody wants to pronounce that name there. But uh, if you've not seen Orphan Black, do give it. Um, and you'll oh, have to w- she plays more than six characters. She well, plays uh, a lot more. Probably more, yeah. I, I was trying to be a little bit vague. You know, it's my natural nature, but there you go. <laughs> but uh, she is brilliant in that. Yeah, but each character is totally different, has a different accent most of the time, different personality. She is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think you'll uh, you'll like it for one reason or another, Ian. Okay. Cool. I will have to put it on my list. And that's mm-hmm. the, did you mention that it's the last season? Uh, I think this is the wrap-up. Yeah, I, I thought it well, I, I, I didn't say what, I, but it seemed to, to I thought, oh, they've, they've cut it. But of course, we've had this before, haven't we? We've had um, a number of uh, series now where you think you've had a whole season, and actually it's a half season, and then they come out on Blu-ray, and they package it as a full season, and you find out you have to buy the other half of Breaking Bad, and it's actually, <laughs> it's not it's not six seasons, it's season five is broken into two parts. So, Surely anyway. BBC would never do that with Doctor Who. Nah. <laughs> Split a season in half when? All right. Who is next with news? Um, Ken. Yes, yes. Okay, this concerns uh, the Justice League movie and uh, sad tragedy. Um, following a heartbreaking personal tragedy, Zack Snyder and his wife, Deborah Snyder, are stepping down from production on Justice League. Uh, Warner Brothers confirms that director Joss Whedon will finish the film, which is still on track for November 2017 release date, 
in an interview with Hollywood Reporter, Snyder's announced um, that they're taking time off from Justice League following the March suicide of their 20-year-old daughter. Uh, They originally felt they could uh, continue to complete the movie, and they didn't plan to uh, take the news public. They uh, have uh, decided uh, to take the time to family uh, to heal, so they've given it over uh, to Joss Whedon. Very important news and uh, very sad uh, for the Snyders. But uh, I, I must say, you know, um, I mean, it's a difficult thing for them to come out and, and announce that and, and everything. But, uh, mm. you know, um, I kind of appreciate them not, you know, to, 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 rather than, I don't know, it's hard to say this without, like, coming off as insincere or, or, or trying to phrase it the right way, but, you know, um, good on them for addressing it. And we're... we're we're not privy to that information. We, we have no right to it, but good on them for saying that, you know, they need to take the time to, to deal with this and, and you know, yeah, I, good luck to them. It cannot be an easy time. Um, and good on them for trying to, to work through it because, you know, the last thing you want to do when something like that happens is to just sit at home and kind of, you know, dwell. And, uh, yeah, I think he's done most of the work on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah done most of, they've done most of the principles photography. Yeah. And they've done all of it. Uh, Whedon is just doing post-production. Okay. Yeah. But that, that came in light of, like, right before the premiere of Wonder Woman. So it was like... Uh, Triumph and tragedy at the same time. And that's the news I have. Thank you very much, Ken. Thank you. Um, uh, I got some brief news. Uh, of course, I've announced this stuff in, in, in uh, the Colton Facebook page, which you, know, you can find us on Facebook. Just look for Colton Collective. Um, two things that have been added to streaming uh, recently. On uh, CW Seed. Now, CW has uh, two streaming channels. They've got their regular CW channel, plus they've got CW Seed, which uh, generally contains um, older shows. Uh, CW Seed uh, this week added uh, the TV series of Max Hedrum. Um, so, yeah, if anybody, the, the one thing I don't have on there, though, is the original movie. Um, so, don't go there looking for that, but do go there to, to watch, watch Max Hedrum at that's fantastic. Um, fantastic news. I haven't seen that forever, and so I intend to be watching that. Ian, is this a purchase service like Hulu? No, it's free. Oh, how nice. Mm-hmm. It's free, unless, unlike uh, CBS Alexis. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> um, what is this again? Yeah. Um, um, Ian, C-W, what? Seed. S-E-E-D. Okay. Dot com? Yeah. Yeah, I think I said, I'll put the URL in the in the text chat. All right, cool. Yep. And the other thing that's just been added streaming is uh, uh, Doctor Strange. Yes, it just showed up on, on Netflix yesterday, so that's fantastic. I watched it. I hadn't seen it in the cinema. I did get to watch it on the airplane uh, flight to or from New Zealand, one of the two. Uh, 
but uh, yeah, gr- I love the movie, and uh, yeah, it just got out of yesterday, so my wife and I spent the evening eating pizza and uh, watching her boyfriend on. They have Civil War too, which is yes, they do, they do to them, because usually that was on cable, but it's I think it's exclusive to Netflix at the moment. Yeah, I think they they've got a deal going with. Uh, to, to get a lot of the, the, the Marvel stuff. If I'm not mistaken. I think it's because of their Disney ties. They're going to tie with Disney, and, and so they've got access to all of this stuff. So, so yeah, those are two things, uh, if you haven't caught them, to catch them. Oh, yes! <laughs> and uh, and uh, Jeff put in something that I've actually been meaning to mention to Jeff and never get around to it because I keep seeing it in my Facebook uh, commercials. Uh, it's called uh, go90.com and they actually have all the episodes, uh, not in any of the TV movies, uh, of Babylon 5 and they're available for free. Yes, every time I see that, I'm like, i got to tell Jeff that. i got to tell Jeff. So I'm glad you know because, you know, I'd forgotten to mention it. So yeah, oh. um, and uh, the URL for for uh, Go ninety is in the text chat too. So yeah, and it's only uh, only available in the US at the moment. Just it it's is? not okay. uh, not working in the UK that link. Okay. What about CWC? Oh, I will. Or... I will try that. All right. Yes, there's not a lot of nice little channels popping up here and there that have got. Uh, Paste it when copy stuff. and paste keeps your old one. Yep. Oh, it, it shows up, but it doesn't show like a proper page. Huh. It just shows like a load of links. Or is that how it should do? No, I've got full video on mine. There must be no style info in the, uh, certainly on the Firefox, but I will bookmark it. Hmm. You see, WC also has uh, some of the. Uh, the uh, animated uh, DC stuff uh, like Flashpoint Paradox and I think they've got War and they've also got Constantine uh, Blade the Series so yeah fantastic oh quick quick news blurb Mm -hmm. edition Animaniacs coming back Oh, yes. Yes. Steven Spielberg is behind it. uh, I don't think there's been any announcements as to where or when. No, but just hooray. But it's just been announced. And I wonder whether... um, I wonder if it'll be on Netflix. Because Netflix, I think it was uh, late last year, added the entire Animaniac series to, to their streaming service. So it would be kind of cool if it was added to there. But you never know. Oh, speaking of uh, cartoons that are being renewed, DuckTales mm-hmm. coming back. I don't know how long ago this was announced, but uh, DuckTales is returning sometime this year on Disney's XD channel. Lineup, programming, whatever. The only uh, David Tennant is voicing Scrooge. Yes. Yeah. And apparently, spoilers, but there will be diving into gold coins. Oh. <laughs> It has been revealed that he will 
dive into those gold coins. There must be diving into gold coins. There is there is a uh, um, a Family Guy. They did a a spoof of that, and and Peter dives into the, the vault of gold coins and hurts himself severely. He goes, "I've been lied to." And does he come up and say, "Bazinga"? Oh no, that's <laughs> yeah, different show. Oh, speaking of which, there's to be a uh, spinoff from uh, Big Bang Theory. Old Sheldon. And I thought this sounded like the most stupid idea I'd ever heard of. I thought, no. You're giving this character way too much time, way too much energy. Let's stop dwelling on Sheldon until I saw the trailer for it, um, which I, uh, I saw on YouTube. So, yeah, you can, I don't have a link to it, but uh, yeah, you can check that out. And it's actually, it looks relatively interesting. It deals with, of course, Sheldon growing up with his family, uh, brother and sister, and um, and his relationship with his father and his mother. And it actually looks relatively interesting. I, I'm, I'm willing to give it a tra- chance. Before I was like, nope, uh, don't really want to see this. But it's um, kind of a wonder, wonder Years kind of feel to it. Um, it looks interesting based on what I've seen, so I'm willing to give it a try. So, whether it lasts, uh, you know, all season, two seasons, five, I don't know. It all depends. It, it's a difficult thing because it's, you know, you're dealing with Sheldon, so he's a, a um, interesting character. But it's like, how often can you have, you know, we already know what he ends up like. So, what kind of character growth can we expect in between? You know. Yeah, it's not like they did that with Better Call Saul, is it? Right. Yeah. <laughs> the dogs agree. Yes. Hopefully, Better Call Saul is Better Call Saul back uh, this Monday. Or yes, it's uh, Monday. Monday. Yep. Is that all right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, we yeah. missed a week. All three shows that I started been watching are back. Twin Peaks returns tonight. American Gods is back tonight. Better, Better Call Saul tomorrow night. And don't talk to me about Game of Thrones, although it's marvellous. It's uh, it's unfortunately mirroring what's happening in the UK at the moment. Uh, I'm at the episode where there's some elections going on and it uh, seems to be mirroring what's happening in the UK at the moment. But that's as much as I will say. My lips are sealed. What, the Red Wedding? <laughs> Dear God. Uh, the Lannisters send their regards. Yeah. I've never seen one single episode of, 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 of that show. Hello, we've got more news. We've not I saw news. one episode and lost all interest. Okay, while Ian just mutes, uh, Jeff has put in uh, Broadchurch Series 3 will be on BBC America starting uh, Wednesday, June 28th. And I believe uh, earlier in the week, Jeff asked me uh, what did I reckon to it. And I think my answer was uh, better than Series 2. So... Um, I think episode uh, series one was the strongest, I think, but I thought series three was better than series two. So, and that's all I'll say on the matter. And since we're waiting for Ian to come back, um, and uh, let's hear from. Has anybody else got any news items? Or are we about to? Uh... Uh, I bore my news item. So, um, okay. Ben, is there anything you can do about what just happened? 
suppose you can't you can't shut the uh, barn door once the horse is bolted, huh? Mm. Um, you can uh, you can still click on the guest ten's name and hide it. Uh, I can from the the uh, web client. Just just click on the icon. But they've already left. And you're using the web client, the website. Oh, yeah, he's not, he's, not, he's, not, he's not using the mm-hmm. profile. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's gone now. And so. Okay. Yay. Yep, that's why people that we, you know. Don't give him that time. Don't feed the uh, troll. Yep. <laughs> I didn't know you could do fancy graphics like that in here, huh? Oh, yeah. Ay, ay, ay. <clears throat> anyway, fun stuff. All right, well, I think that wraps it up for news. I mean, we're spent probably almost <laughs> for for a group that didn't have much. <laughs> All right, well, uh, a breather here. Hello, my name's Toby Haydock, and you're listening to the Cultum Collective Podcast. All right, see, Toby Haydock says it's good. And, uh, yeah, if you want to join the Cultum Collective Podcast, here is how you do it. If you enjoy listening, why not join the collective and participate yourself? We're on TalkShoe. Call ID 54821. Call in on 724-444-7444. This is a US number, area code 724, so do check your calling plan before dialing in. If you have a SIP client, you can call in for free on 66.212.134.192. Or you can connect in directly via the shoe phone find if you have TalkShoe Live installed. Looking forward to hearing you. There you go. That's how you do it. It's as simple as that. And speaking of simple, Dave. Oh, have you know, <laughs> simple indeed. I was just doing some remedial action, if you'll have you know. Uh, oh. Yeah, well, <clears throat> well, here we are. We Did you say it was episode 325? Did you say we're talking about Doctor Who? Did you say the episode was called The Lie of the Land? This is our review. It will contain spoilers. And uh, with all that in place, um, let me uh, play the first clip. And uh, I think in honour of Ken rejoining us on audio, it behoves us to let him go first. But first, the clip. The months have been with us from the beginning. They shepherded humanity through its formative years, gently guiding and encouraging, like a parent clapping their hands at a baby's first steps. They have been instrumental in all the advances of culture and technology. And they have defended us, too. Who can forget the time the monks defeated the Daleks, the Cybermen, the Weeping Angels, Asks for nothing in return for their benevolence, but obedience. You are charged with the manufacture and possession of propaganda intended to undermine the true history. This is in contravention of the Memory Crimes Act of 1975. 1975. The monks have only been here a few months. Therefore, I sentence you to ten years in a labor camp. Take her away. Okay, come on, please, good boy for mommy. So relax. Do as you're told. 
your future is taken care of. And there you go. And uh, Ken, do you feel uh, good enough to start us off? I don't know whether you want to um, just mention a little bit that this is part three of a three-part story and a few little... It is bad, part three, and they fit together very well. I really loved the first two parts. Um, One was full of mystery, part one. Um, Part two was exciting and uh, was terrifying at the end. You know, how how is uh, Bill... How are Bill and the doctor going to get out of this this mess? Um, it was kind of a Kobayashi Maru uh, decision there at the end, you know, to save him and to destroy everything, and you know, give give it to those lovable monks. You got to love them. That's the way. Uh, it's got to be acceptance. So we have part three, where the acceptance is given. And we have a brave new world. And I was cracking up in the beginning, the the kind of Forrest Gump uh, montage of the monks being kind to fish to help in evolution and Da Vinci painting monks and uh, Edison doing the light bulb with the monk right behind him. I was, it was great. Um, that whole that whole thing was a delight, and you have the doctor um, doing a whole little spiel on we love the monks. The monks are good for us, you know. Uh, love a monk today, and it's very weird, very surreal, and it's um, kind of like am I did did I uh, switch on an issue of Doctor Who by Orwell, <laughs> because it, it's that—that's you know—that's who uh, Bill is in this uh, episode. You know, she's trapped in this world, and the only thing she has mentally to hinge herself to what her reality was. Hold on a sec, but. Do you need to, oh, do you need to just uh, take no. a breath there? I'm fine, I'm fine. Was the images and thoughts and love she has for her mother. That's what she holds on to. Which, conversely, is helped by a photograph that the doctor gave because she never had a photo of her mother. So that's really interesting. Now, the episode continues... You know, full swing. Um, people who are arrested for, let's, let's call it, thought crime, anti-monk crime. You know, you don't think anything's wrong. If you, if you dare uh, find out the real truth, that they've only been around for six months rather than forever, you know, you're arrested. And it is a, I'll say it, a great analogy for today for resistance and aspects of fascism that one can perceive are happening on uh, many places in the world, including this country. And, you know, 
she, she's wanting to fight this, and she's running to the Nardal, who last we saw him, he was succumbing to the gas, but he's okay. He can switch his lungs, switch his head, switch his body. He's good for that. You know, not only is he comic relief, but he's really brave, and that that's been really good about him. Well. Um, right, he's scream like a what's an elephant called? Yeah, and he's good to beat up on. That is really good. He loves uh, she loves to beat up on him. Well, we go through all these machinations to eventually find where the doctor has been captured. You know, because of course he's still fighting the good fight. He has to be, and you know, Bill and Nardole, uh uh, find the encampment where he is, and lo and behold, they're wrong. He is the graceful servant of the monks. He believes in them. He says, I've given up. This is the right way to go. They're, they're beneficent. It could have been the Daleks. Look what they're doing. They, they're gentle shepherds, and you're their sheep. And she's losing all hope. And he's pushing her, pushing her, um, saying that this is it. There's no way that I, I'm, uh, they're in control now. They're in control forever. And she has a realization that the doctor is helping them. There's no hope. There's no hope at all. Because if they had any strength before, uh, they're supreme now. And she loses it. And shoots the doctor. Now, no companion has ever done this. And I'm watching it. Well, I'll go, I'll go into it after. It's, it's totally shocking. Uh, shoots him. Uh, in the U.S., they have a commercial break. They don't have that in the U.K., I know. They come back, commercial break, and he starts to regenerate. And it was a thing I thought, you know, you know no, no, they're not going to show the real thing. They're not going to blow the goodies you know, uh, right away. And, but he starts to regenerate, and I'm thinking back to David Tennant to another regeneration. Um, Can do that. Hmm? Can do that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it appears he's dying, he's regenerating, and he stops and goes, good girl. You did it. So, the doctor's playing Job. The doctor's pushing her, you know, testing the limit. There's a real, there's a need, but there's also a real cruelty to this. I don't know if anybody else would want to even, for the cause, stick around, you know, with him after this. Because this is really pushing her so much into a, a, a point of, you know, you know, to make a person lose it like that. Well, you was know. he pushing her, or was he was he pushing the person that may or may not have been Bill, or may or may not have been well, Bill that, under that, the that, influence? That's true. That's true. But but it was it was Bill, and and look at all controls were lost. She's never shot anybody in her life, and to do that to him, she had to be driven to her. Her, her final uh, tricks. That's it. That's it for her. And that let, is. A, go ahead. Can, can I jump in? Because 
we do. We don't want to go through a description. We want to know your reaction. To right. It. But um, Jeff had said to me before that, uh, and I think he said it on the Cult and Collective page, not just to me, rather, that um, one of the things, although that was a, a scene, first of all, he thought that scene was really going to be sort of uh, put in there just to, to, to throw everybody off. But secondly, that would it work? Because Bill doesn't know at this point about what a regeneration looks like. We've had this drip feeding, haven't we? You know, the Doctor has two hearts in Smile and all these other things. But um, as far as we know, Bill doesn't know that that's how the Doctor can survive all this time. Um, so, in a way, do you th I mean, that was done for us, the audience, wasn't it? Because she wouldn't have really known what was exactly. happening. Exactly. And, and it was also, also an alternative he didn't know that she would shoot him. She, he, this was a one contingency. You know, it could have been something else, but he proved to her, uh, you know, long story short, to not drive it out another 20 minutes of story time. That was a precise way of showing, boom, she's with us. I have the dramatic effect. It's great for the audience. But my, my second thoughts on it came after going like, what an SOB. <laughs> I bet. And it didn't hit me at the time. I laughed, thought it was great, went on with the story, was exciting to me, and all of that. But just the emotional thought to her now is like, dear God, what did I do? What, you know, what, what, you know, what did he push me to become? You know, couldn't have been like some other way. I'm just thinking that she'd be really hurt by this, you know, in the situation. She's already being hurt. And, yes, maybe he had to test her, but that's that's going to leave some scars, or it should, in, in a character way. Yeah. Not really. Go ahead, what? Not really. Because it you don't shows think that she could do something that she never thought she could. When the and earth that's was the same. way to get somebody to do it is push them. Yeah, but she, she's shooting oh. some. She's shooting somebody. That that's going to be really emotional. You it's know, a bit of a mismatch. A bit of a mismatch, though. That but the fact she that she gave the whole world. No, well, she gave the whole world away just for the doctor to get his sight back. Well, actually, it wasn't just to get his sight back, because by getting his sight back, he was able to get out of that non-digital uh, lock. Um, so, you know, presumably in this six months, she's had time to realise what has she done. So, so there must have been an awful lot of guilt behind that as well. Yeah. I'm just saying it would affect her emotionally. Yeah. It would, it would, yeah. It would have some... Some oh yeah, the, absolutely. I mean, you know, and and something not to be just be maybe fluffed off. And they didn't, but but it was really exciting. It was, it was I think beautifully done. Um, you know, going going further on the episode, it it again we go into the depths of really how courageous she is. Um, I mean, just again, it's it's. I'll liken her to Donna, how the average human being can rise to such heights and and have this courage inside. 
And uh, when there's no choice at the end, but for her to say, okay, I'm going to give my life, she's willing to do it. Just as she was willing to shoot the doctor, she's willing now to sacrifice her life. And, again, amazing character. You know, not, not, not anybody out of the ordinary. You know, one would say nothing, but she just, Right. An, ordinary, an ordinary person doing extraordinary oh, things. Extraordinary things. And that, that's something also. As you, you can find that in Hitchcock films all the time. You know, someone, the average person caught in, in extraordinary situations and, and rising to become, uh, you know, better than they are. And, Am I in you too much? Yeah. Yeah. And, and have this courage. And luckily it turns out that she's not you know, uh, having to give up her life and that these beings, well, they're not used to, they're not used to being, uh, having too much push against them. So it's easier just to go, oh, we'll leave, which is kind of funny rather than the big dramatic, you know, how dare you do this? It's like, you know, we're, we're not going to turn to dust for you and we're not going to do this. Our, our conquest have to love us. Our conquest have to accept. You know, we do it easy. And that's the big thrust of the story. You know, fascism wins when you give in to it. You know, uh, you give up your freedom when you, get, when you easily give it up. It's, well, not, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not something that, that's rolled in by tanks. You open the door to them. Yeah, we certainly had the sort of thought of collaborators with them, didn't we? Think think of the Vichy government or something yeah. like that, where 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 they were doing the 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 dirty work for them, rounding up people. Let, let me play another clip, give you a chance to get your voice back, and then we'll okay. give us a give us an idea of how you felt it rounded out the, the three parter. All right, but here's another clip. I travelled with a man called the Doctor and his friend Nardo, and I did this to save him. I'm trying to stay strong without them, but every day it's harder to remember what's real anymore. If you suspect a colleague, a neighbor, or a family member of being a memory criminal... I know, I know how he loves Mum. With all of the stuff that he's been saying on the telly. But it's all right. Because I know he has a plan. One day soon he's going to come back and save us all. One day... Creature chasing us. Where do we run away to? Australia. What noise does Basic Laws make? Shook, shook. Obviously. Oh. oh, God. It happened. I knew it. It all really happened. Ow. Oh. Where have you been? Back home. Is that really hard? I needed you. Well, I got contaminated by that bacteria in the lab, didn't I? I was laid up for six weeks. If I was human, I would have died. Yeah. So I find a bit more about him there. So, so, you didn't feel it was a, a misfit to the other? I mean, I'm giving away what I thought here, aren't I? But, no, actually, yeah. when I actually, it seemed weaker to me because the other two 
Well, it was all, like I said, the first one was all mystery. What's happening? What's going on? And it's the, the mystery of what they're doing, creating the false earth, and, and setting this whole plan into motion. So that's exciting. The second part, all bare knuckles, um, leading to a conclusion of, of sacrifice and another choice for the doctor, and it was like just a punch to the face. This was more level. Even though it had those high moments and her sacrifice, she did not die in it. Now, if she actually did die or gave the appearance of her death or 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 the uh the monks all crumbled because they because when if you don't accept them that rejection will destroy them there there didn't seem to be a finality it was like bye and that weakened it a bit like it took off a notch like the others were four and a half or five and this one might have been a four as excellent as it was it just didn't at the end, maybe so so used to the big bombast ending that that the kind of simplicity of well, there you know you expect something different, you know, in a defeat rather than well, we don't push. We we only let we we only take our victories. When when you defeat yourselves, which is which is an interesting thing, but artistically, it doesn't have the oomph that that one one would hope for. And you're and you maybe that that's always something you're going to get with a third parter, because you're you're expecting that giant, big conclusion, you know, revelation and, and everything. And and rarely you get that, because we're waiting for some other things coming, which which we're maybe hoping that the door would have been open to that, and you know what I mean. Not being spoilerific, right? You know, and 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 we thought maybe maybe it would lead to their their masters are, you know. Well, I'll give an example of something that I love. The first Avengers movie, the creatures attacking and Loki, we, we find out at the very end they're searing Thanos. And that had me almost leaping out of my, my seat when it was like the revelation of that. In, in this, it was, these are really great, but they are creatures that have essences of... Vashti Narada, Sleeping Angel. It's it's almost silent. Silence. It's almost like Moffat's greatest hits. Not copying, but it's like has essence of it in them. And by themselves, they're really good. Kind of vampiric monks, and they're very striking, and all of that. But we we've seen things like this, so it. it I was saying maybe it jades me a little bit because, like, you know, the sleeping angels, and not because it was so terrifying, but the emotional beats 
were so good. And again, what I'll remember from this, not the monks, but Bill's performance, you know, uh, the doctor's performance, even even Nardal. And I love, you know, the the statues everywhere. I, I love the whole look. I, I also got an aspect with just, because I love the movie so much, I had, I had the vibe of They Live, mm. you know, from this. Mm. You know, because it's, it's, it's the, the world within the world underneath. But you didn't have somebody you know, chew, chew gum and kick ass, and I'm all out of gum. <laughs> and maybe I wanted that moment. Rowdy, yeah. come bring on Rowdy. Yeah. I'm you know. here to chew gum and kick ass, and I'm all out of gum, chewing gum. Yeah, bless him. Yeah. So, really good, fun, exciting, kind of annoying at times. Um, great Doctor Who, but did it hold the promise of the other two? Yes and no. Yes and no. Um, I think it had such a build-up that that it is kind of that's going to happen but I had a damn good time you know watching it okay right, we'll give you a chance to come back in uh, later I'm sure um, last week we did, we started with Mike and Rick so we're, we're trying to go in reverse order Ian do you want to go next or shall I call on Dal um, I, uh, I'll go Oh, no. All right, let me play. Let me play a very short clip, and then we'll hear from the lad himself. But you better tell me now. Because yes. if you help them, nothing will ever stop them. They'll be here forever. It's not a trick. It's not a plan. I have joined the monks. Whatever it takes, I'm going to save you from yourselves. <laughs> Nice touch. Too much. It was Richard asking for our identity papers. I couldn't resist to your face. <laughs> Ian. All right. Um, this is an interesting one. Um, I'm part disappointed, um, part relieved, part underwhelmed, part uh, happy. It's, and I, I, you know. I don't mean to sound kind of down on Muppet, but over the years, we've kind of been built up and built up, and then we're just left with so many unanswered questions and, you know, unfinished, you know, um, plot lines and everything, that this approach this season, this winding down of the Muppet era, as it were, seems to be taking a very safe route. Um, I don't know whether it's a, a deliberate effort to, to not overcomplicate things for the uh, for the new production team that's coming in um, to kind of pare down everything and just kind of leave a, really a fresh uh, fresh plate for for them to work with. Uh, but this episode just it was good. I I kind of enjoyed it. 
in a very kind of simple way. Uh, didn't have to think too hard about it. Didn't. Um, <laughs> it, it, it makes me sound bad by saying that, but it, you know, I kind of found that quite refreshing because so many things you kind of had to overthink. You know, in previous seasons, you really had to concentrate on like you know. Um, were, was his jacket on or were their sleeves rolled up uh, you know which doctor is this is this you know the doctor is traveling back through time things like that that just kind of seem like a really good idea but then when you think about the general overall audience you're like uh, are we over you know over complicating things this really seemed like you know kind of well thought out but very simple plot Maybe a little too simple. I don't know. That's what I say. I'm, I'm really in you know, numerous minds about this episode. Uh, some really great lines. Uh, Love talking back to the whole uh, uh, talking about the doors, you know, on on, on a spaceship. Shook, shook. <laughs> um, great because, you know, we get that whole buildup of who's coming through the door. And we really don't know at that point who is coming through the door um, because of the way we were left last week. You know, Nardal was... You know, laying on the floor, looked like he was dead, and here he comes walking through the door, and it's like, oh, and it's a very simple explanation. He's like, I'm not human, so it didn't affect me in the same way, and you know, I was just laid up for a while. Um, it's quite, anyway, quite clever, you know, uh, a, a simple answer to what looked like a complicated ending. Um, not sure I liked the regeneration scene mainly because okay I liked it and I hated it I hated it because she has no idea what regeneration looks like so why why use that to sell it why didn't he just pretend to die um, he's only mentioned regeneration to her on camera once and kind of then swept that aside and not mentioned it again um so why was that necessary? It was necessary, of course, for us because it allowed them to use uh, clips from that in you know trailers and that, alluding to a regeneration. In a way, it's kind of uh, kind of RTD done better. In a way, because it's this kind of leading us to think that there's a regeneration coming, and oh my god, it's going to be this episode. Uh, and then it's not. But it was just the Doctor faking it. And then, of course, on the reverse side of that, it's like, really, the Doctor's able to kind of start a regeneration type thing with his body, and, 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 and then not. But yeah, it, it, it's a good, funny, a good scene. It builds up a lot of tension. I don't know if I really buy Bill shooting the Doctor. Um, I don't know if we know really enough about her character to know whether she would really have done that. Um, I don't know if I believe that about Bill, that she would, you know, from all of her adventures with the Doctor, that she would just kill him because he's helping out the monks. You know, I just don't know if I see that in her. So that's kind of, you know, a difficult bit. Um... The, the rest of it, it, it's good. Uh, one of the things that Dave and I talked about, and I noticed he had said it in, in Facebook too, that, um, because Dave and I, as you know, we give each other, a, well, Dave usually gives me a two-word review so that he doesn't go into spoilers. 
he just gives me an idea of how much he enjoyed it once he's seen it. And then, of course, I usually respond in kind afterwards after I've seen it. And my uh, response to Dave was, um, what was it now, Dave? It was the... Oh, completely better, forgettable. Better, better than Akatan. And, uh, <laughs> Anything's better than that. No, well... There's a reason because for the it, it borrows link. an idea that it's this, her her memories, you know, end up being the important thing. But the thing I liked about it is, I don't know, it was just a better use of that idea, I thought, and better played out. That it wasn't so much magical; it was that that nothing could nothing could really penetrate these memories that she had because they didn't rely on the monks at all. It was a memory that they really couldn't penetrate because her memories of her mom, because she didn't really have any real ones, she only had these photos that the doctor took and because she didn't Ugh. know her mother. She had this idea of her mother built in her own mind that was separate from anything that they had done. It didn't rely on any events in the world. It was this completely separate thing. Really kind of, I really enjoyed that idea, you know, that, you know, she she had this idea of her mother built up that that didn't rely on anything else. It was just hers, hers alone, and it's just this memory based on these pictures that she's seen. Um, because when we were first introduced to Bill before she got the photos, she said she she didn't even really know what she looked like, and so, you know, she used those photos and built up this idea, the story. And of course, while she's, you know, the the six months since the monks arrived, she's kind of um, talked to her mom. She's created this idea of her mother and as a safe place. And I kind of like the way that was used. It seems like a reuse of an idea, but I think it was done better. I think, you know, I kind of yeah, enjoyed it. I looked at it at the end, and I'm like, you know what? I I, I dig this. I like. And and the fact that the doctor's like. Oh my God, I had no idea that doing something so simple of just giving her these images of her mother would do something so positive. And that's a neat message in itself that sometimes the smallest actions that you do, the, the little things, can affect things on a much grander scale. You know, the, the door you hold open for somebody, the smile you give somebody at the beginning of the day you know, when they've had a rotten evening or, you know, a sleepless night, it can really kind of uh, make a change, you know, whether that's their intention. It's just what I'm reading into it, you know, that sometimes it's the little things that you do that really can make a, a big impact on somebody's life. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a mixed bag for me, this one, but I'm coming away from it thinking on the overall scale of the season, I'm really kind of liking what they're doing. It's, it's a little on the simpler side, um, and it's a nice way of kind of you know clearing the slate for for the incoming uh, team. So uh, yeah, I, I'm liking it. It's not not my favorite of the, the season. I think I really need to watch all three together to get a you know an overall grand view of of the storyline. But uh, yeah, I'm digging it, and I kind of like the little uh, bit at the end. I mean, we've done it before in Doctor Who, where it's like. You know, it's like, oh, what are we doing? And this is great for humanity. We all came together. And, and it's like, nope. <laughs> Yet again, 
Humanity's like, oh, we have no clue what happened. <laughs> so yeah, that's 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 my review. All okay. Right. Um, yeah, we'll go to Darth next week after I play a clip. But what what had originally said to him Rick, was deja vu because the what the 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 hint I wanted to give him and I put on the Colton page was. Um, the Akatan maneuver, and and the, the point was that in that the doctor tried to feed the enemy with his memories. And oh right, right. Thousand, his thousand years hadn't been enough. So in this story, he tried to supplant his history into them, and it hadn't worked. And then Clara came along with a leaf and all the potential lives that a family could have had. And here we have uh, Bill's reconstructed our. Uh, manufactured, uh, um, ideal, idealized uh, view of a mother and her life, and it was all based on love and so on. And they had no reference for that because all all that they'd done this was this was not part of their reconstruction world. So it it was the use of that that and that was what reminded me. Uh, we'll play this little clip, then we'll. Go, uh, and then we'll obviously get round to Mike and Rick later, but you two guys went first last week, so here we go. You're on fire. You're literally on fire, so Caliente. That's Spanish for hot. The statues are transmitters. They boost the signal and beam it out all around the world. Boom! You've exploded. Now all you have to do is find whoever opened the door to the monks in the first place. Say, I already have. Oh! Oh, well, then you're sorted. Just kill them. That weakens the monks' grip on the world. No, 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 that can't be right. There are planets that the monks have ruled for thousands of years. It's passed on through the bloodline. Usually the linchpin goes on to lead a normal life, have their own family, and the link is passed down through the generations. But the monks must have worked that out. They've been doing this for millennia. Why? I mean, if the link is passed on, and the monks stay in charge, through they think, uh, ruthlessness and efficiency. But if the linchpin dies, and the link isn't passed on, and the monks get booted off the planet, well, they just chalk it up to experience. That's okay. I want to speak to her. Yes. So, when you defeated the monks, that's how you did it? Well, at this point, all that was left of the bloodline was a wee girl. And I just pushed her into a volcano. It's me. The linchpin is me. And, uh, Darth, do you want to give us your thoughts? I love that she plays the entertainer there. Um, <laughs> you know, you know what I'm going to say? Love conquers all! Again! <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and so therefore I am of two minds about the episode because... On the one hand, I can put on a hat that says it's been a long damn time since I've seen Doctor Who, so therefore I can sort of in hazy memory forget about the past and think, oh, this was okay as long as I don't really remember how many episodes there have been where love simply conquers all. Um, and And then I can put on another hat where I think maybe I started watching Doctor Who this season. Maybe the pilot really was the pilot for me. In which case, I would think this thing was freaking brilliant, right? Uh, so I, I wouldn't be surprised to find that ultimately this episode might be sort of a Marmite episode, maybe. Um, but at 
the very least, at least for me, it it is fair to say that this is a case of the parts being greater than the sum, I think. There are a lot of lovely scenes here, and Mm, surely the high high point is from the clips you just played. That whole thing of Missy and Capaldi, the two great Scots warriors fighting against each other, with civility is at least the equal of Pertwee Delgado in Sea Devils. It's at least that, right? It is a glorious bit of verbal combat that you can't help but just eat up with a spoon. Nothing is wrong in that scene. And not only that, but it answers, I think, what was said before, maybe, in that the resolution is in exactly what you just played. Right. Missy lays it out. That's why the doctor goes to Missy. Right. And Missy gives you the ending of the episode. As long as you can get him to, you know, not believe as long as you can get the people of Earth not to believe in the monks anymore, they will simply just go away. So the the great thing about this and why I think if you started with just season 10 and, and you'll like this is because. It is all very well laid out, even from the, the first episode. You know, so th- therefore, this is a well-constructed use of Love Conquers All, as opposed to The Lodger, as opposed to Closing Time, which I always come back to because those are just terrible. Um, but it, it's, it's so great because the, the Missy Doctor scene is not just sort of fan service and yet at the same time, it has that fan service element of here's the doctor going to visit the master in a prison cell, which, of course, if you're a longtime Doctor Who fan, must thrill you if you like the master-doctor relationship at all, right? Because it definitely evokes sea devils, you know. It definitely evokes that, that end period for the Delgado master, uh, which is perhaps the greatest period for that master. And so I think, you know, strip away anything else in this damn episode, that alone is worth the price of admission. I don't think Michelle Gomez has ever been better, especially, and she's doing things as the master that only she could do. I mean, I guess only she could do. Maybe I'm being a little bit genderist. I don't know. But, you know, getting on top of the piano, you know, sort of Michelle Pfeiffer-esque in in the Baker Boys. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Fabulous Baker Boy. It is very much yeah. like that, right? And it and then and then and that is contrary in a sense to the larger notion of this characterization of the master of the ma- yeah, because this characterization of the master is supposed to be Mary Poppins esque, right? Mary Poppins gone bad. And yet that is just pure seduction, right? Uh and it's it's just a you don't expect it. And and that is, you know, a, a virtue. This is why you hire Michelle Gomez, right? Because she's, I don't know. Well, is there, I well, don't know and, of a word. I don't know. Wait, wait. I don't know of a word to describe this that is nice, but she is, she's just crazy. She's straight up crazy, right? Well, what I was going to so, say is, yeah, as a woman, mm-hmm. she's really saying to the doctor, if you've got the balls to kill her, there's your solution. I don't know about that. I'm just saying she is. She's, you know, that's the way you do an it. inventive actor um, that you just don't know what she's going to do in any scene. 
And, you know, as a Green Wing fan, her interpretation of the Master just, you know, I'm not saying she's playing the same character as in Green Wing, but nevertheless, she is as free an actor in this show as she was in Green Wing, and that's what made her so delightful. And it makes her so delightful as an actor. She's just, what are you going to do next, Michelle Gomez? And it's kind of perfect for Capaldi. You know, there's always that, that thought that Doctor Who fans have that a particular master matches a particular doctor. Now, of course, that's not really true because Anthony Ainley hung on forever, right, and was up against lots of different doctors. But there is something very appealing about this particular matchup, not only because they're both Scots, not only because they're both employing Scots dialects, but because she is crazy and he is largely serious, right? Moffat has recently said, I think in one of these uh, inside, Doctor Who inside things that comes on after the program, I think he said recently that that the difference between Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi is that Matt Smith finds drama through comedy and Capaldi finds comedy through drama. And that really works in the relationship that we have here between the doctor and the master because Comez is just crazy, right? And she is always going for the comic interpretation of a line, even when she's dead serious. And I think that's quite the opposite of Capaldi, and that's what you want, right? And if if the master is supposed to be the doctor's greatest enemy or greatest friend, then they need to be, in a sense, kind of opposite each other. And that's why this casting is so brilliant and gets better every time we see them in an outing. But I don't think it's ever been better than here. I just, I will always remember this episode for that. And we'll go back and I know watch that scene over and over and over again because it's just fundamental Doctor Who, right? And then you got Bill chipping in from the side, kind of trying to keep up like Joe, really. Um, if you're going to make a full comparison to the Pertwee era. And and that works too, you know, because she just doesn't care what the relationship is between these two people, really. She doesn't know it. She just knows that somehow, some way, this person in a prison box has got some kind of skills that pay the bills. And she just wants to find out what in the world to do against this enemy. And it's her her little bit of interaction with the master here is also really quite interesting. Um and in exactly the same way that, you know, I'm not I'm, a, I'm not a big Joe fan, but you know, Joe against the master was always kind of interesting because Joe could kind of, you know, was not terribly well she was pissed at the master for in terror of the autons you know, hypnotizing her and ever, you know, and after that, she was always very wary of the master. And so you get, you know, frontier in space, you get this lovely little, you know, spark from Joe that, you know, Hey, you got me once, but you're not getting me again, you know? And, and that's sort of kind of what's going on here. Like in a sense of, uh, you know, Missy's characterization of the master is very flamboyant. It's very over the top. And Bill just doesn't care. You know, she's just, Whatever. I just want to find out what to do in this situation to start talking. You know, it's great. And again, that just that lovely little thing. And I don't know, of playing the entertainer in this situation is so telling about this particular version of the master. You know, death, it entertains me. That's what I'm saying to you. 
you know, and then you get the sort of coda to the scene, which I guess is technically a separate scene of the master kind of apparently maybe showing remorse over the death that she has, uh, you know, ravaged across the galaxy or whatever. And that's, you know, that's lovely because you don't know if that's real, you know, crocodile tears, real tears. If, you know, she's crying because she didn't kill them the right way, maybe you can maybe even interpret it that way. Um, but I think you would be wary to interpret it as straight up sorrow or remorse or whatever, even though that's clearly what the doctor is hoping will have happened here. Um, lots of fascinating things. I mean, that is, that is what this episode is about for me is what the hell is going on with the master. Um, and why is the master even thinking about helping the doctor here? What? It's not right. That's tricky. There's some kind of trick going on, and you know that. And so this this story is not over. Now, as for the larger aspects of the story, I suppose. Well, I mean, I think that's the larger aspect. But as for the other aspects of the story, you know, the monks, whatever. Um, I don't know if I am wholly satisfied with what went down there, except to say that. I appreciate it as an as an act of plot construction. It seems like, you know, all the T's were crossed and the I's were dotted. You know, we got some some storytelling, you know, all the storytelling kind of makes sense in a way. Um, but but there's that little tint and I can't in this episode I can't really uh, maybe because I've only watched it once, I can't really twig to what exactly is, it is about it that doesn't, that seems artificial. But it, it still nevertheless feels like uh, extremist. No, I'm sorry, uh, Pyramid. In that, um, a series of unfortunate events had to happen in order to make this whole thing work out the way that it did. You know, it seems it seems plotted as opposed to natural, you know. Um, and I, maybe that will go away for me if I watch it again in full, or I'm sorry, when I watch it again in full. Um, but at the moment it still feels like there's something in this episode that is very much like that dial lock in uh pyramid, right? You put a dial lock on the door just so the doctor can't get out because he's blind. Um, uh, but why would there be a dial lock in the first place? You know, it just, there's something about it that kind of doesn't make that much sense, but whatever. Um, contrived, contrived. It, contrived, I guess, is what I'm going for, but I, I don't know that it necessarily is. I just sort of feel that a little bit. Um, it, it, nevertheless, I mean, this is, a, as, as Ian said, this is very much a better effort at the whole general genre of this kind of story, right? Of Alien takeover, we're going to fight the aliens by believing in people we love, right? Um, this is, you know, Moffat storytelling, but it is done better. It is the highest form of this particular type of storytelling, I think, that I can remember in the Moffat era anyway. What do you do? Um, so I, I think as a, as a new viewer, if you came into this, I think you'd be like, wow, this is really good stuff. We went to a lot of places. We saw a lot of different stuff we had pyramids in the middle of london we had these statues you know it was cool um 
but you know, I, I I suppose I might have a niggle with the regeneration thing. Not that I understand at all what's going on with regeneration in the Moffat era. I mean, he lost me at pretty much, I don't know, Lake Silencio. Maybe he lost me there. Certainly it was there that I was like, we're really playing around with this, aren't we? Actually, he lost me whenever an adult version of River... No, he lost me when River regenerated into a kid. That's where he lost me. Because I've never understood it to work that way. I've always understood it, you know, Incarnation 1 starts out as a kid, gets to be an adult, and then thereafter regenerates into another adult. Um, So that, you know, scene in New York in the back alley where all of a sudden there was a regeneration and there was a kid, I don't understand that. I don't understand anything about, but, you know, fine, that's River. And River's not fully Time Lord. So maybe her and, you know, but then again, you got Let's Kill Hitler and, you know, they're very much an adult version of River reincarnates into an adult version of River. You know, so why one time is it with a kid and another time not? And then, you know, I don't understand at all the here I am, I'm the whatever, we'll call him the 11th Doctor for convenience. We'll call him Matt Smith, let's say that. Um, how, you know, he's been around now for a while, and then River gets hurt a little bit by Weeping Angels in New York, and he decides to give some of his regeneration energy, which he shouldn't have had because it was the last regeneration. Um, give him a little bit of that to sort of vaguely heal River. Where is that from? I don't understand that. And here again, this is fake regeneration, one would think. Uh, so what, he can just pretend to regenerate? I don't, uh, you know, I, I'm not with Ian on saying that is for the audience. I think it actually <laughs> provides more confusion for the audience uh, than anything else, at least for the long-term audience, because like, you, you didn't get hurt. Uh, go ahead. But what I meant by that is it was for them to use that little bit of him pretending to regenerate for their trailers. Right. Yeah, yeah, It was yeah. used to Marketing. pull the audience in. It's like, you're going to get a regeneration. It wasn't for, you know, if you get what I mean now. But Bill's yeah, not yeah. going to so, get it. It was used as a ploy. Uh, you know, yeah, it, yeah. It, the whole thing didn't make sense to me because it's like, Bill doesn't know what it is, so why use it? It was just... It was a ploy to get people to come in and watch to say there's going to be a regeneration this season and you're going to get to see it. And, you know, that's all it seemed to be for for me, you know. I, I uh, guess. And I think I think it might be poorly explained around that particular part of the story. Why do the monks not monitor that part of the ship? Mm. You know? It's like yeah. they're monitoring everything else but not there. I mean... You know, I, I guess we're just supposed to believe the doctor did some trickety trick, and there you go. You know, and that's fine. I guess I can go along with that. But I mean, still, if it's genuine regeneration energy, didn't Christmas Invasion tell us that you can detect that from long away in space? You know, yeah. much less from one room on a ship to another room of a ship. You know, you'd think. But maybe that's the point. Is it really regeneration energy, or is it just a light show? I, I don't know. Um, but it, it was 
it was clever. I don't know that I necessarily thought it was wrong of Bill to shoot him uh, because, you know, she at this point is cognizant of the fact that she is responsible for screwing up the world. And she thinks that by killing the doctor, she will fix the world. Well, also as well, with that I'd, same with Missy, uh, the same with Missy, if, if, if she's, will, she's willing to kill the doctor to stop him helping, then she can't very well object if the plan to save the world is for her to die. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. The fact that she's yeah. taking that extreme action can help her think, well, the doctor's got to do this. And of course it isn't. Uh, she has to tie the doctor up because she realizes that's or she sees it as the option. Given no, no, to her. But, you know, we have to think she's not in the best of psychological health at this point. No, yeah, six months of <laughs> you know a weird double double history in her head. Right, and the only way she can find the truth is by talking to herself, believing that her mother's there. I mean, it's 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 screwed up, man. It's, <laughs> it is not a good place to be mentally. So, I mean, I don't, I I definitely don't have a problem with her shooting the doctor. I just have a problem with what the hell is going on with this regeneration energy in the Moffat era. I mean, it just is. It's it's very confusing. Um. Nevertheless, I mean, it's a fun scene. If it got people to watch the show, I don't really care. It doesn't uh, – it's a small flaw of plot logic that exists in an otherwise pretty solidly constructed little trilogy of things going on. I mean, this is certainly – if you look back at Doctor Who's history of doing trilogies, this is pretty good by those standards. Or not even trilogies, but multi-part things. I mean, this is not – no offense, Ian. This is not Trial of the Time Lord. Um I know you like the Sixth Doctor, but that's not, you know, narratively the best era in in the history. It's also not even like, you know, <laughs> Dalek's Master Plan, which really, I mean, I love the thing, but there are parts in that that just don't make any sense at all. Um, whereas I think most, for most minutes of this three-part thing, I think it pretty well holds up. And uh, certainly for the first couple of parts, well, certainly for the first part and a half, I was definitely on the edge of my seat the whole time. And this time, I think I was on the edge of my seat the whole time, too. You know, it's really only the second half of uh, Pyramid that really kind of lost me a little bit. Um, but even the, even in losing me, it wasn't like, you know, crash and burn kind of loss. It wasn't like, I don't know, what's a bad example lately um i don't know it, it didn't it didn't pull me the whole way out of the thing it was more like uh wait a minute this seems as you said contrived right yeah uh well, scientists have to be stupid to do what they did right well i mean one of them was drunk so you can kind of just about close mm. an eye and squint at the machine and think oh okay i get where you're going but you know it is contrived, and it, for that reason, it pulled you out a little bit. But this thing, I don't think it really pulled me out. I think it's just, it, you know, maybe it's because I was just sort of waiting for more consultation with Missy or something. I don't know. Uh, but certainly that, the, without a doubt, like the episode kind of gets a five just because of the Missy stuff with me. And maybe that's wrong. 
because I'm I'm judging it for too small a part of it. Um, and it also gets a five for me. I got to say, the thing that got me, you know, I am not at all a hater of emotion in storytelling. In fact, I think emotion should have been there. I think that, you know, the fifth doctor and Nissa should have been getting it on a long time ago. And and that's why I like Martha, because Martha is reasonable emotion, right? And the fact that she leaves makes her a strong person, and she leaves because she's not getting any from David Tennant. Okay, I get that. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and and so the thing about this that also gets me, besides the Missy stuff, is that scene at the end. Oh, well, there's two things. First of all, I think we finally did get a little shot of Bristol, which made me a little bit happy. Because I think I, I could see, I could think I could see the tower off in the distance, and I was like, "Oh my God, is this really Bristol? Do we have a season? Oh, maybe it was not. It's not a great scene. They still didn't go to the key, but whatever." Um, oh, I'm sorry, my English humor came in there. You were talking about uh, Martha not being requited, and then talking about Bristol's, and I just I lost it on that. Uh, yeah, I know. David. I know. Anyway, um, but no, that scene at the end I think was lovely. You know, when he, when Bill asked him, why do you care about us so much? You know, or why do you care about me even? And then, you know, because in a planet of 7 billion people, there might be one like you. I just was like, that's pretty great, right? That is so much better an explanation than the TV movie. Oh, the TARDIS really likes you because you're human because the doctor has a soft spot for humans. No, come on. It it really is because he does he is able to not generalize a species. Like that is what Doctor Who at its core has always been. Do not put labels on people because labels are what lead to hate. Labels lead you to the Daleks, right? Mm. Um and in a nutshell, that one scene and it is is so great because it tells you what Doctor Who is and at the same time it it speaks to this exact theme of this episode, maybe th- this episode more than the other two, you know, cause this episode, like, like Ken said is, is sort of fighting against uh, some current trends that are going really global, but certainly in the U S and certainly I think a little bit in Britain as well of, you know, the worst aspects of humanity, racism, genderism, homophobia, the whole deal of the other, right? But that one last line in the episode is so what Doctor Who is and what the world should be but currently isn't. And so you were talking about how uh, you know you can look to Doctor Who for your Star Trek these days or whatever – and it, and in that in the sense that Star Trek was always greatest when it was trying to make social commentary about things that were actually happening in the '60s or whatever. Uh, I think that this episode of Doctor Who is a powerful, powerful piece of um, social commentary about what is going on in the year 2017. Maybe not even last year, but just this mm-hmm. year. Uh, and it's, uh, you know. For that, too, I think this episode deserves to have some of its plot misgivings sort of forgotten about, in a way. So, I, okay. you know, fully give it a five. I just think, you know, even though there are flaws, 
I think because it hits some things so far out of the ballpark that, you know, on average, it's a five. Like if it were a little bit better, it would be a six. You know, it would be one of the most extraordinary episodes of Doctor Who. As it is, it's uh, it's particularly relevant this year, and it just really pleased me a lot. Okay, thanks for that. Yeah. Um, well, well think, let, let, just before go on, go on, go on, Ian. Thanks for that, Dar. I appreciate you increasing my appreciation of the episode because this was one of those things. It's like sometimes you know. Yeah, I was kind of caught in two places, and I've, and I've seen a lot of you know, kind of the people on the other side like uh, it's not so good, and and I could see some of that. But it's like it's it's really neat when you if you think you're going to go into it, going you know I like this, but and to see somebody else's point of view on it is uh, that's really cool. Thank you. Oh, good. Okay, okay. brilliant. Uh, we'll, we'll I'll play another clip, short clip, and we'll go to Rick. Thanks, Rick and Mike, for waiting. Sorry, but uh, anyway, here's a short clip, and then we'll go to uh, Rick. Ridiculous girl, look at that! All the pictures I gave you! I thought I was just being kind, but I was saving the world! Bill, if there's any of you left in there, listen! You have to keep thinking about your mum, the memory you created. Her voice, her smile, the mums can't get near it! Fill your mind with it! Push it into every corner! filling his mind with one pure, uncorrupted, irresistible image. And it's broadcasting it to the world because it can't help it. All those years you kept her alive inside you. An isolated subroutine in a living mind. Perfect. Untouchable. She's a window on the world without the monks. There you go. The audio is definitely worth listening to on its own, guys. Anyway, uh, Rick... I do what I'm told. I do what I'm told. I do what I'm told. I'm one of Val Milgram's 37. Okay, that's what this episode reminded me of. About 1984? Al Milgram's experiment. Ah. If you're not familiar with it, it was an experiment, I believe, in the 60s. Uh... Volunteers were taken and put in a room, and another room was a uh, person who was supposed to answer questions, and in front of the uh, volunteer was a series of switches. Oh, yes. From one to do not touch. High voltage. Mm. And they were handed a list of questions and told every time the person in the other room gets it wrong, shock them. Little did they know that the person, quote-unquote, in the other room was a recording, but that's besides the point. 37 out of 42 went all the way to do not touch high voltage. Why am I saying that? Because Bill killed or shot the doctor. Yep. Okay. 
uh, and, uh, um, uh, you know, like I said, it this whole episode reminded me of you know, that experiment just for that one scene. Um, and that's why I took exception to what uh, both you and uh, Ken were saying about, oh, nobody would ever do that. Yes, you would. If you're in a situation where somebody has to do something and you know they're not going to do it, or wouldn't oh, do no, it no, no, no. I, I think she was right to shoot the doctor. Um, you know, it also happened in um, um, Hannibal. When Bernice I, I said there was going to be emotional ramifications from what he pushed her into. I didn't yeah, say well, yes Psychologically no. good for her now. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, I wasn't discussing whether the right or wrong of it. I was saying about him pushing her to that level. Was that a correct thing for him to do? But also there were other options. He didn't know she was going to exactly pick up a gun. That that was one option. Of course he did. That's why he gave her the opportunity to pick up the gun. Well, yeah, but you can't you can't be certain. You can't be uh, certain. Yeah, you can. Well, probability. Wow. She grabbed it from a holster. True. But why were the guns in there in the first place? Because the doctor knew that he, she was going to do something. What exactly he did, wasn't sure. Oh no, it was a test, absolutely a test. But, yeah, we're, we're not disagreeing about that. Okay. Uh, I did say earlier that I didn't know, based on what we know about her, whether she would have done it or not. But that was just kind of, I mean, yes, it's possible, but I just didn't know if I knew enough about Bill's character to to believe whether she would have shot the doctor. Yeah. Right. But that's just me. You know. Or, or you know, again, it was used in a couple of movies. Uh, v. With V and Evie. When he tries to switch, um, and this is V, of course, tries to uh, convince uh, Evie to join him. You know, he puts her through all kinds of hell. And she doesn't know it's a test the last thing and in one of the tests or part of the test she quote unquote killed somebody or actually had somebody kill themselves because of the action she did uh, you know um, again yeah you gotta make sure that if you're not exactly sure somebody's going to react the way you want or you hope you got to test them to find out if it's done. Um, and uh, you know, yes, you're you're right, Darth. Um, um, you know, why do I like you? Because there's at least one in seven billion like you somewhere on this planet. Um, As a whole, did the episode fit with the storyline? Not to me, not really. I still got a lot of questions, like um, 
if the monks could manipulate reality or even to a small percentage of like the Dr. and Bill um, um, manipulate reality, uh, how do we know this actually happened? Yeah, well, there were some people considering that uh, the Doctor may, may all still be in a virtual world. Yeah. Uh, um, but um, I, 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 it was a nice episode. Like I said, did it fit in with one and two, or one and two, or uh, um, Pyramid and um, uh, I forget the name of the uh, extremist. Um, not really. But then again, if you look at a pyramid and extremists, that didn't really fit into each other either. Uh, Rick, maybe they were never driven off. Maybe that was how they really won. Perhaps. It's all, it's all, it was all a ruse. Yeah. You see, they're, they're going to be here forever, and yeah. that, that whole thing was a game. So they're going to be here forever, and they make you think they've been driven off. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really... Um, 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 uh, to me, you know, if they if they can manipulate reality, you were, you know, like I said, the perception of reality to the doctor and uh, and uh, Bill. Who knows? For the sake of our, they're not going to be doing that. Oh yeah, uh, but um, you know, uh, I liked it was all right. Um, I think last week I said. Ask me what I thought of the whole uh, um, 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 trilogy or uh, three-parter. I'll give it a uh, four out of five groans. Okay. Okay. All right, Rick. Thanks for that. Um, uh, I'll play another clip, and uh, Mike's just had to drop out, so um, I'll go next, but I I won't be too long. But uh, here's another little short clip. It's like a turning point. Humans have learned that they can overthrow dictators and stuff. They just, just have to band together. Well, it's not quite as simple as that. You, appalling hair. This thing that we're sitting on, what is it? Uh, we thought they were just like filming something here or something. Thank you. It's very helpful. Now go away or something. You see, the monks have erased themselves. Humanity is doomed to never learn from its mistakes. Well, I guess that's part of our charm. No, it's really quite annoying. Anyway, I mustn't keep you. 3,000 words. The mechanics of free will, now six months overdue. Uh, Go back to your own work, kids. You've seen Dr. (laughs) Who. Yeah, um, I I didn't particularly enjoy watching this episode. I I, I was slightly underwhelmed. and, and there were some very nice pieces. I, I liked, um, I liked the the Nardle scene coming in, even though I, I find him a bit annoying. I thought he's growing on me a little bit, and I thought that was rather nice. They didn't exactly spell it out, as Ian said. Uh, you know, he gave he gave enough of an explanation. And of course, because we'd had the scene right before the credits of them crashing into a house and, and dragging people off, and uh, Bill had been a witness to that in the street. She knew that when they was banging on the door, they were coming for you. And since she's been trying to keep this duality in her head, um, she must know that 
you know, it might be her that gets found out. When they're on the boat later, when this um, one of the monks comes past, um, you know, and he seems to be reading her mind or whatever, she's obviously very aware that uh, she could be under scrutiny. So it, her, her real fright was good, and, and, and the way she put the chair up to protect herself, I thought it was very good. Uh, and it, it served the story very well. And, of course, uh, Norval was... Actually, he was in with the doctor's plan about... I mean, that gadget was a load of uh, rigmarole, wasn't it? It was like the doctor's... Well, no, that worked in the uh, the, uh, the Sally Sparrow one. But a um, few things nobody's mentioned, so I'm going to have the great delight of mentioning it. When on the street and the doctor is talking and everybody goes to a television shop to see what he's saying, it was Magpie Electronics. <laughs> Did nobody else notice that? Well, yes, nobody I else did. mentioned it. Well, I didn't mention else. it, but I did notice it. I was like, oh, it's Yeah. Uh, second thing, when the, when the Martha, uh, when Bill comes to see the doctor, she looks at him through a round window again. So we're back to the round windows. So it was very good, that. And uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. Mike's not here. Round but, yeah, what I thought Mike would have said, so I'll say it for him, steal his thunder, is um, when we see the Doctor in the room with all the rejected scripts on the floor. Mm. Get it? Mm. Got rejected Doctor scripts, all the good scripts are on the floor. The doc- and, the, and, and the Doctor's saying, oh, that's a rubbish story, that's a rubbish story, a Moffat story, a rubbish story. <laughs> I know, um, I thought um, I thought it was a bit heartless the way that he jibed her to such thing. Uh, and yes, Rick, I I think her reaction, uh, and as Ken said, it would really have could have destroyed her in a way. But um, presumably, you know, the the planet's existence was on the line. It took him six months to get to get his guards uh, round this this uh, brainwashing technique. Uh, and they were able to do that. Of course, they had to to wear the headphones the nearer they got in, and and uh, we we know that um, there's been all this uh, programming that's had to go on in the past. Here, um, he seems to be not only on the ship as a prisoner, but cooperating fully and giving out this information. But at least it meant that Bill uh, Bill was drawn to him. Uh, and she shows her metal, proves that uh, it really is her with her own free will and thinking. Uh, and then, of course, he takes her uh, to the scene uh, inside where we have Missy uh, and so on. Oh, I missed another bit out. Um, again, nothing to do with the story, but uh, the white desk is sitting on there. Is again the Jonathan Ross desk from uh, uh, the Jonathan Ross show that was painted white for... Um, the episode Time Heist. I think when we saw the woman sitting at the white desk in Time Heist, mm. that was the same uh, desk. Um, I wondered when the Missy was saying to the Doctor about how the monks work and all that, and he said, uh, well, they're here for generations, and he said it's passed down. Now, I don't want to be controversial, so I've got to be careful what I say, but presumably, I mean, I suppose... Bill can still have children. She can, you know, the, her lifestyle. She, she, she could still pass it down. But I mean, 
do we know whether... Oh, I'm wondering whether this was something to do with why her, her orientation was chosen, because um, if with the monks, uh, they would need to perpetuate her through her bloodline, I would suppose. And I suppose, really, that's a non-issue. I don't know why I raised it. Oh, we had the Kill Bill. We had the Kill Bill reference, the doctor saying Kill Bill from uh, the film. And what was the other one? Something like Goodbye Vienna, was it? Another... Lots of little things. There was lots of little nods and lots of little things that came into the story. Uh, But I found it a bit disjointed and I didn't really, on first viewing, think it it carried the weight. I think... um, Who's put it? Somebody's put it better in the... uh, Colin Hicks put it. Um, uh, thinking about it, I wonder if this would be even better as a two-parter, as it's taken up a whole quarter of the series. Parts one and two could mostly be combined. Some aspects of part two could have been put into part three and condensed somewhat. So basically, you know, a whole quarter of the series has been got to this rather, you know, uh, not simplified, but we're back to this same solution and as I said earlier on um, it reminded me an awful lot about the solution with the uh, the, the leaf with all the uh, potential lives that could have been lived and that was uh, meant although the doctor said when he was trying to feed uh, this creature in the sun um, you know I've got thousands of memories but they are finite uh, the potential memories that could be from these lives unfulfilled uh, would feed it forever. And so, uh, again, Clara solved it today. Here, uh, with Bill, um, it's her her constructed memories uh, of an unconditional mother's love uh, that does the same aspect. And I think, Ian, you're right, this is probably a better use of that. And I think Dar said it as well. This is probably a better use of that thing. So uh, it's it's almost as though they've had another bite at the cherry, another go at um, trying to use that as the the, the plot line. No, I, I don't, you know, I didn't take it. I didn't take it that way, Dave. I don't think it's that it's the unconditional mother's love. I thought it was that it was something that couldn't have been simulated because it was. Oh yeah, not, yeah. That, you know, sorry, that, that yeah, it was unpolluted. It was not. It was completely. Uh, yeah, it, it wasn't something. It was outside there existence something they couldn't fight um um there was no way they could erase it from a memory because it wasn't a real memory and so on yeah but uh, uh, come back in in a minute because I'll, i'll play the very little bit that i think that you were also delighted in I keep remembering all the people I've killed. Every day I think of more. Being bad. Being bad friend that I... I didn't know I even knew their names. You didn't tell me about this bit. I'm sorry about this. Okay. 
again, whether the crook reality is, I'm assuming, although she's had the last six weeks alone, uh, last six months alone, she's actually been in there, that place all the time the doctor's been the professor. So it's 50, 70 years she's been in there. So um, I don't know whether anybody wants to comment on about how genuine you feel. Um, it, felt, it felt genuine. It felt, I, I wanted it to be. She played it so well, and even her uh, solution to the problem with the monks, you know, there was a terrible practicality, but she was right, you know, as, as she was saying it. You know, there, there just seems something... Earnest in the way she was, she was speaking. Maybe because he he uh, reached out to her to save her. You know that someone that that and the depth of their friendship. Of course, it'd be totally BS. Right. You know. Also, um, maybe there are a couple other cute things I noticed in the episode. Just the title, um, "Lie of the Land," the lay of the land. Um, they had over the speakers that someone was being condemned to death for having a box of comic books. Um, <laughs> there, I, there I go. Yeah, that was good. Oh, Kitty. Oh, my God, they killed Kitty. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. <laughs> and listening to you, Dave, made me enforce uh, me liking it even more. Um, so thank you. Um Really enjoyed it overall. Just um, gonna really have a lot of therapy for Bill. <coughs> Excuse me. After this one. Well, I didn't get to. I'm gonna go real quick here because I I kind of forgot to mention the whole bit with with Missy at the end. It's one of those things. That I love that scene. It's a difficult scene because all the time you're like, oh, this is really cool. The master's having, well, Missy's having a breakthrough here. But then the other part of you snaps and, uh, you know, the little guy on your shoulder slaps you across the face because it's, it's Missy. It's the master. They're, they're, they're tricking you. <laughs> and so you're like, oh, yeah. Um, oh, dang it. <laughs> so it's really cool. It's, you know, being pulled into that whole scene. She sells it and you really kind of like, Oh wow! This is this is a kind of change to this character that that is really interesting. But then the other part of you is like, it's a it's a trap, it's a trap. So yeah, it's it's a great scene to have in there because you're like, oh, you know, yeah, because we know how long she's been in there to think over things and and you know, she's obviously gone there of her own into this as on her own free will and. And so, yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's like, be interesting to see how this plays out. We don't have an awful long time left for this to play out, so it's it's going to be really like it. And uh, I'm going to give my rating now. Um, after Lips in the Dark, um, uh, I'm giving this a four and a half out of five. Um, enjoyed it a whole lot more after listening to uh, some of the things that Dara's mentioned. And I'm actually looking forward to watching it again tonight for the commentary with Dave. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm going to jump right back in here on the whole master thing. If it's not a trap, I am sorely disappointed. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you that. Oh, yeah. This is yeah. – th- th- is... okay, if this were Delgado, what this would be would be uh, I'm going to run around the corner and put a mask on, and then you won't know who I am, right? <laughs> right. Uh, this, this is how this incarnation of the, of the master is doing things. She's trickety trick. I mean, look at what she did on you know the chopping block, right? There was nothing mm. she said – that was genuine. She doesn't care that the doctor is hurting because River's all, you know, in her in his past now. She doesn't care. She just is saying that to rub salt on the wound. And when you know, she was, you know, actually on her knees the whole time, is like, you know, she knew that it was she was not actually gonna die, but she's putting all those protestations in the air. The whole thing is a total lie. Which if it's not a lie Again, I will be. That will be the biggest disappointment of this season, I think, is if it turns out, oh, the master is, you know, my best friend. The other thing to remember, too, about the master is the master is closer to being a Time Lord than the Doctor. Like a straight up normal, graduated from the Academy Time Lord, right? Because all those dudes are bad, right? I mean, Goth, whoever, in three, you know, I mean, just think about three Doctors, right? Time Lord society is about to collapse because of Omega. And still you got some of these jokers saying, oh, no, we can't possibly interfere. We can't, you know, ask the doctor to help us. That would be terrible. That would be a violation of whatever it is, the prime temporal directive or whatever it's called. And, you know, (laughs) of course they needed the doctor's help. All these guys are, that's the point. That's why the doctor ran away. The doctor is in contradistinction to all of them, but the master is not, right? And that's why the, the in five doctors, they have absolutely no compunction whatsoever about reaching out to the master and saying, hey, we'll give you new regeneration cycle. You, of all people, we will give a, a new regeneration cycle if you'll just help us with this little problem we're having with Rassilon. It's stupid. I mean, they are closer to him, uh, to the master, than they are to the doctor, right? They'll throw the they'll throw the doctor on Earth in exile and make him regenerate. Well, there's nothing wrong whatsoever with the Troughton regeneration. They'll throw him off there because why? Because the Troughton doctor tried to do some good in the world, and so did the Hartnell doctor, right? But no, we don't like you. You're off to Earth. But the master? Oh, yeah. Come back. We'll give you not only come back, but, you know, come back in style, come back to the council. Uh, and we will, you know, help you out. And then they actually did it during the time war. Here you are up yep. against the Daleks, and you're thinking the master is better than the Daleks? What the hell? I mean, come on. It's stupid, right? So, uh, there is nothing right with this. The doctor is being the doctor, ever the optimist, even in this sort of growly Peter Capaldi version. He still believes, hey, he's like, you know, he's like Luke, basically. He's Luke Skywalker. I believe there's good in you. He's Padme. I believe there's good in him. I can sense it. There's got to be good, right? There must be somewhere in there. There's no good in this guy or girl or whatever, you know? 
And that's what makes that scene so delicious. And also, I think I think we'll do a lot of good historically, or you know, ten years from now when we look back on the Capaldi Doctor. I bet money we'll look at this particular sequence. You know, now we all think, oh, he's older, he's grumpy, whatever. But that's because we're comparing him to Matt Smith. But whenever you look at him in isolation and you start to judge the uh, the era with the benefit of time, I think you're going to say, hey. This guy is actually quite the optimist if he's thinking, you know, very much unlike the Davison doctor, right, who is never happy to see the master, right? Uh, Very much like, uh, very unlike even the third doctor, who in Sea Devils is kind of prepared to say, maybe I can cut you a little bit of slack. Capaldi is like, not only am I going to cut you slack, I really am going to say, I know that there is good in you, which he's got absolutely no reason to think whatsoever, except he's just a damn optimistic fool, which I think is cool. I think it gives an element to the Capaldi doctor here at the end that we didn't have at the beginning, which I, you know, the the fact that Moffat is still trying, and maybe this is Whithouse more than Moffat, who knows, um, is trying to imbue this doctor with additional quality right up to the finish line, I think it's marvelous. Yeah, he's not heavy, he's my brother. Yeah, right. Right, 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 exactly. And that's just upset me for Better Call Saul now, because I now believe that Chuck is a time lord. (laughs) Uh, Right, Ian, um, I can read a couple of things from the Cotton Facebook I don't think you want to gather your thoughts on things written in the chat client uh, while I do so, and then we're near to wrapping up. Um, uh, Let me put... uh, uh, Oh, Jeff. um, I've liked every episode so far. Uh, This is Jeff Wardle, by the way. Um, I liked uh, the acting, as usual, this week. Uh, but it was a car crash of an episode. Uh, it was a remake of Martha Jones, The Missing Year, when she walked the earth. Not enough story for three episodes, and all the episodes too jarring to make the thing a trilogy. Um, except this time, the year was not erased. That was the thing. Um, uh, uh, Colin Hicks, uh, well, that never took off. You had two set-up episodes, Part one set up part two, which in turn set today's story. Both of those were eminently watchable, rewatchable, because I did before watching this, but this episode was not the finale we were expecting. Um, and and Jeff here, uh, ultimately the scene where the doctor was testing Bill fell flat. She didn't know what generation looked like, yet everyone in the room except Bill knew it was all show. So why did he have to fake the regeneration as uh, look and feel uh, he didn't it was more for viewing the audience than for Bill and it made the scene not work for me most effective scenes were those with Missy uh, the rest of the episode didn't mesh well with the first two parts uh, um, this episode almost felt like a parody of the first two the monks didn't feel menacing or scary maybe they were complacent their, their defeat was too easy. Yes, perhaps they already thought they'd won. So that's all that I've got to read in 
Ian, and I've got the next time to play us out at the end. Ready? Well, just uh, looking at it, we haven't had many in the text chat uh, today, so there's only a few. Um, uh, Jeff actually uh, said, and thank you, Jeff. Um, Ian's comments made me like it more. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and Darth's comments made me like it more, so it's just this whole mark on the fact of telling you. Uh, but uh, Jeff gives it a three and a half out of five, and as a three-parter, four out of five. Uh, Mike says, can't wait to tear this episode of shreds on the commentary tonight. Moffat, who is back? And uh, and uh, Ken gives it a four and a half out of five, and the total trilogy, a four and a half out of five as well. All right, and that's it. That's the ratings. No Sly Bob, no, uh, no Matt Hell today, fortunately. Unfortunately, I said the un was kind of quiet the first time. So I didn't want, to, <laughs> wanted to make it feel bad. <clears throat> All right, so yeah, that wraps it up for us. And I'd like to thank everybody for coming today. And of course, we'll be back next Sunday for the next episode, which we'll hear the next time trailer for in just a moment. So if you don't want to hear it, take your headphones off. Or, you know, you can stop it as soon as we say our goodbyes, as always. Um, and uh, because Dave didn't earlier... Hi, I'm Rachel Bloom, and you're listening to the Cult Dumb Collective Podcast. Yeah, I'm the only one who plays me bumpers. Uh, I, didn't, <clears throat> I didn't want to break up. Oh, I think it's good. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Enough Very again. famous. Yeah, bring you back out of retirement, and what do you get? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. As I said, thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you all next week. Uh, until then, it's goodbye. From Mr. Dave AC. Let's go by from Ian, the Sixth Doctor. Goodbye, everybody. Next time, trailer. There were humans on Mars in Victorian times. No, there weren't. Friday asked for my help. In return, for what? This could be the entrance to a nice warrior hive. Friday has been losing you all along. His aim was to get back to Mars and find his queen. Rise, my ice warriors! I dare say the British Army is more than a match for a bunch of upright crocodiles.